Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview inspiring, fascinating women who are navigating aging with class and sass. I'm your host, Nicole Christina. Hey everyone, I am so grateful for all of the downloads, and I'd love a rating on iTunes and a comment. And please subscribe. It helps the show's rating so other people can find it and learn how to age well. And if you are loving the podcast, why not check out the companion online course, Zestful Aging, Simple and Sustainable Habits for Health and Longevity. You can access it through my website, NicoleChristina.com forward slash Zestful Aging. It's based on the Harvard Study of Adult Development, and I'm really proud of how it's turned out. Well, I've got my coffee in my hand and my trusty dog Sparky beside me, so let's begin. Today we have Michelle Dalbeck, who is a yoga and meditation teacher at Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health in the beautiful Berkshires, which is the largest yoga training facility in the Northeast. And you're really going to enjoy this interview because she brings an unusual twist to meditation, if you'll pardon the pun. She's developed a workshop around mindfulness and knitting, and some of the benefits I think are going to surprise you. In today's interview, we're going to hear why knitting is good for your brain and how it can be incorporated into a mindfulness practice. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting because we're covering some, you know, we're, we're covering some really healthy habits that I think some people might be unaware of with the knitting. Do you find that with your, with your uh, students? Meditation has an immense amount of benefits to it. And I think sometimes people underestimate the the profound effect of meditation because it is such a simple practice. It's just bringing your attention on purpose to what's happening in the present moment with a sense of curiosity and a little bit of compassion mixed in. It seems so simple, doesn't it? Until you try to do it or remind yourself to do it. Right, simple, I always say it's simple, not easy though. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it's so difficult for, I mean, we, we've read the studies. I talk about the, the studies, um, you know, we see PET scans, you know, I mean, we've got Oprah doing it and it's a really, you know, over the last 10 years, I think really been publicized, celebrities do it. Why is it so hard to remind ourselves to meditate? I believe that it's so hard because the brain is, is literally hardwired to be on constant alert for danger, right? If we think back to um, our primal ancestors and uh, the way that they needed to keep their environments safe and their tribes safe, they needed to be on constant lookout for danger. So they were scanning the environment and watching. And our brains have not been able to, to uh, evolve quite as fast as all of our sociological shifts. And mm -hmm. so what has happened is we're still used to having to pay attention to our environment. Um, and that can make it really challenging. We also have layered on the top of that are, you know, contemporarily, what we are bombarded with every day, we have more information and more stimulation than mm -hmm. ever, mm -hmm. every single day, it's been said that the average person receives and sends about 122 emails a day 
Does that mm. sound, do you have that on your plate every day? You know, I have to really come clean here. I, you know, I live in this world and I, I, I have a meditation room. I do all the things and I am so frustrated with myself sometimes when I just spend an hour on Facebook and then I know better. Right. Right, right. We can get caught up in the, you know, in the trappings um, of distraction, right, to keep, to keep our, our, you know, our comfort level, keep ourselves in a, in a comfort zone. So sometimes people will, will go on Facebook or Instagram, they'll, you know, zone out on some Netflix or, uh, you know, do a little online shop opportunities to to just kind of... (laughs) (laughs) to help decompress stress, right? And meditation really is about how can we get in that zone of being able to watch when we're at ease and at comfortable and also be able to watch the times when we are uncomfortable and to, you know, and to really allow ourselves to be with both um, the ease and and the struggle. And I think people, that's hard for people. There was a study done um, many years ago, and the the subjects were told they were going to go sit in a room uh, without any stimulation. So just a chair and a table, no windows, nothing to do, no phones with them. And they were just told, you're going to be in there for 15 minutes by yourself. And so... Um, the subjects came out and they were asked how the time was and they said they were bored they were you know they were just you know bored to tears and frustrated and anxious so uh, the researchers took that down and then they replicated it a while later and a new set of subjects and the subjects were told you're going to go in a room and you're not going to have any stimulation. You just be there with your thoughts for 15 minutes. Then they added another element. They offered them or they gave them an electrical shock. Um, Nothing life threatening, Mm -hmm. but it was definitely uncomfortable. And the uh, subjects were all asked, how was that shock? Well, horrible, horrible. Would you you know, would you pay money not to be shocked like this? Absolutely, I would pay money not to be given electrical shock like this. Great, you're going to go in the room and sit. And just to let you know, you have the opportunity to give yourself an electrical shock at any time you want. (laughs) So they left them in the room for 15 minutes. And a majority of the participants gave themselves that shock. Goodness. And there was a mix of men and women, and uh, women gave themselves the shock more often, but men gave themselves more shocks per person than women did. One man shocked himself over a hundred times <gasps> in that 15 minutes. Oh my God. Goodness. So what do we understand from this? We understand that people would rather receive um, a painful stimulus, a shock, than be alone with their thoughts for any amount of time. Oh Boy, doesn't that just put a fine point on it? Oh right. My goodness. So, you know, it's hard to be alone. And again, I go back to we're always so distracted. There's always so much going on um, that I think a lot of times people are becoming there's a second hardwiring going on in the brain of we're just never not stimulated these days. And meditation mm-hmm. is is not to be stimulated. It's to it's just to come inside and, and be with you know, that which is inside to be unstimulated. So that's really tough for some people, myself, totally myself included. I raise both hands with that. So <laughs> even after 20 years. <laughs> oh my goodness. And you know, we, and we know how good silence is for the brain. Mm. I was just doing a little, I mean, it's interesting. I was waiting for a car repair yesterday and I w- I'm reading this book, um, 
by Catherine Mannix. She's a palliative care physician in the UK, and she just wrote a book about um, end of life, and it's very, very interesting. So I'm trying to read my book, and next to me I have someone on the cell phone in a conversational tone. So I know all what's going on, when she's going to meet her son, what's go, what you know, what's for dinner, and then in the background is blaring a local talk um talk show and then on the left of me is also somebody whose phone keeps I mean it was just like a bombardment and it actually felt like almost painful to my brain and it, it just I just thought to myself there's just nowhere to read my book here I'm trying, you know, I guess I could have gone outside and, you know, it was very uh, warm, but I thought this is cannot be healthy. And I could feel the tension about that. Yeah, I think I think that that's probably pretty typical of of many um, community spaces these days, just so much going on, so much stimuli. And where do we get away from it? Where do we, where do we seek a little refuge? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do we want to bring in fiber now? Yes. Let's, <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk to, talk let's, to me about knitting. Yeah. Let's weave it in. <laughs> let's so. weave it in. The puns are just flying today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. So, you know, knitting, I have been knitting since I was about 10 years old. And back then, it was just something fun to do. I didn't have any idea why I loved to knit and crochet, crochet as well, so Mm -hmm. much. Um, But, you know, as I picked up yoga uh, a little over 20 years ago and meditation as well, Uh, I have realized that really knitting and crocheting are one of my biggest meditation practices. Mm. It's it's a creative outlet for me, which Mm. I don't get a lot in in a lot of other things I do in my day-to-day life. It's my love legacy. So I think about as I'm creating, you know, blankets or, you know, cushions for my couch or sweaters, little toys and gifts for my, the little ones in my life, like I'm leaving a love legacy. And um, also, because I work at Kripalu Center and I spend so much time there, I will sit in some of the big community areas because Kripalu is all about community um, and knit. And I get to meet some of the most fascinating people from all over the world and thinking like in any other situation sitting on in a doctor's office or sitting on the subway or the bus or whatever, this person and myself, we may never have the occasion to have a conversation strike up between us, but but knitting somehow brings people together and starts amazing conversations. And, you know, my experience is exactly the same. And what I find people, the opening line is, what are you making? Exactly, exactly. So tell me more about the meditative qualities of knitting. Can you can you put words? It's it's difficult. I know some of this transcends words. But what does it feel like for for our listeners who are not handcraft people? What what does it feel like to you to have the yarn to be knitting a, a pattern? Mm. So to me, there is this, um, there is this tactile sense between my hands and the needles and the fiber. Um, many times I'm looking at my knitting, although I don't always have to look at my knitting if I'm sitting and having a conversation and the pattern's easy enough, I can actually be looking at my companion and not looking at my knitting. But uh, when I'm looking at my knitting, I get the feedback of the texture of the fiber and the colors. Um, And I find myself literally being 
absorbed in the visual and the tactile and then there's something about the movement as well it's a it's an easy repetitive movement that just starts to create the sense of absorption which is the idea in meditation right that we get absorbed to this single this single um, point of focus. Mm -hmm. And I enter a, a sense that, you know, in positive psychology, they call it a flow state, where I'm just like the whole world disappears, mm -hmm. right? And here I am with this one thing that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't know if you would use this word, but I feel like there's almost a hypnotic state there's a rhythm and it's it reminds me a little bit of rocking in a rocking chair yes yes yeah there are um there are studies done that this repetitive movement enhances the release of serotonin mm. and serotonin raises um your mood so mm. it kind of puts you in a in a state of being happier but it's also um an analgesic so it can help with uh pain and people often instinctively engage in these repetitive movements in self-soothing ways like rocking right or pacing or tapping on something so it is and it gets you in that like you said that state of of trance and mm -hmm. and kind of hypnotize there Mm -hmm. So are there particular yarns, not to say we're going to do a, you know, promotion for a company, but <laughs> I, and I know that in the Berkshires, I'm guessing there you can buy some beautiful hand-painted yarns, some, you know, I'm imagining the opportunities there with, I'm sure there are people who raise sheep and all of that, but are there particular yarns or particular patterns that send you in this state more reliably? Mm. Um, you know, I don't think that I have, it's kind of like for me, uh, what parents must feel about children. It's like, there's really no favorite for me. I, I think um, I choose fiber, uh, a lot of times based upon sight and touch. So, you know, sometimes like a big chunky yarn will, you know, send shivers of excitement up and down <laughs> my spine. You know, sometimes I'll look at a yarn and the texture is, you know, something with a lot of what they call halo around it, or it kind of has a loft and a fuzz beyond the, the you know, the mm -hmm. kind of the core fiber. Um, like and, a mohair, for example, for ex our listeners. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And um, sometimes it's it's just really, you know, based on touch. Like the squishier, the softer something is, like a an alpaca mm. um, wool or a cashmere silk mm. blend or oh, something. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you've had this experience, and I've observed myself, and I've kind of laughed at myself, but um, for, for the listeners who are new to this, there is a website by the name of Ravelry, and um, it's, it's a, an international community of knitting, and you can find patterns there. I don't know if you've had this experience, but going through the patterns and saying, oh, pretty, pretty, oh my God goodness I have to make I mean it just grabs you because of its its aesthetic or you know it, it's just interesting enough and it just you just know that that's your next project do you have an experience like that 100 <laughs> percent right tell me about that oh yes it's um yes Ravelry is like Facebook for knitters yes. and <laughs> and just as uh, much of a black hole I might say it is it is it's very addictive and so sometimes I'll go looking for a specific type of a pattern whether I'm mm -hmm. wanting to make a blanket or a sweater or hat sometimes I'll have something very specific like I want to I'm knitting with this kind of a yarn or the these size needles it allows you to look 
you know, by so many different means. And, and then other times I'm just, you know, just flipping around looking at random things. And it is, it's like that one thing, that one thing that just jumps out and grabs me. And then I'm making lists of, of, you know, and looking at my calendar, when can I go to the yarn store next? When will my work, when will my work schedule allow me to run off to, to the yarn store for a couple which hours? Is, which is your, um, we can, we can put it in the notes. Do you have a particular yarn store that you really love? Uh, I have to say that I am most fortunate to live uh, about a 45 minute drive and it is well worth the time that it takes to drive to Webb's in oh in Northampton in Northampton yeah and they well, are they, wow yeah they're proclaimed as America's largest yarn store it's self-proclaimed but I'm I'm inclined to agree with them it they're huge they're huge and I I always have a hard time holding back there right <laughs> You know, I'm going to be in Northampton next week teaching a continuing ed class, and I hadn't even remembered about Webs. So thank uh -oh. you for uh, <laughs> that uh, <laughs> withdrawal from my bank account. Right. You may be thanking me or not thanking me. <laughs> Webs will be thanking that, you. Yes, so. they will. Yeah. So when you pick out, when we talk about this meditative state and we talk about the benefits and we know how good this is for our bodies and our psyches and our souls. Do Are you mindful about picking out a particular level of intricacy in your patterns? Like, are you going to be doing a lace that requires charting or what, what what's your sweet spot? Mm, mm. My sweet spot runs the gamut. I usually have, and you may be nodding uh, on your end of our interview uh, with this, as many knitters are probably going to be nodding with this. I have multiple projects going on mm -hmm. at all times. Um, and I find that I there are times when I want to sit down and be totally absorbed. I really want to go into that meditative state. So for me, that, um, that would be a, a more intricate lace or a cabling pattern um, so that I really have to be super mindful mm -hmm. of the pattern and where I am. And, mm -hmm. and, and counting stitches. Exactly. And then there, I usually always have a project, which I love so much about knitting, that I can just pick up and put down at will, like something super easy that may even be stock and knit stitch, which mm -hmm. it me just means one side of the knitting is flat and the other side of the knitting is bumpy and you're just knitting one row and when you turn it around you're just purling the back sides so. and for our listeners um and correct me if if i i don't say this uh accurately michelle it's knitting uh, the knit stitch and the purl stitch are just two opposite uh, it's like the same coin just the opposite side of the coin sides of the coin is that would you say that that's a way to describe it that is the perfect way to describe it right okay. that they're just it's just the opposite side like you said of a coin so mm -hmm. and really all of knitting is just made up of those two stitches mm -hmm. like there's really once you master those there's not really much more you need to learn you just need to learn some other little extra things to make cables and bobbles and the lace holes and all that um, it's actually a fairly uh, easy thing to learn um, it just takes a little patience and persistence um, but the benefits are immense between uh, cognitive skills I read a study recently that said um, as far as as we get older and i say we because i am i am that age as well i'm in my i'm about to turn 50. Mm -hmm. so in in my stage of life you know they're recommending all of these you know 
skills to help keep our brain what they call uh, plastic, right? Or our brain is plastic, but keep it, mm -hmm. you know, changing and growing, uh, which is, you know, we thought for years, like get some of those brain teaser games and apps and they're saying those are fine, but really what you need to do is pick up a brand new skill. Like mm -hmm. that will benefit your brain so much more. And mm -hmm. it's interesting because in her book, Knit for Health and Wellness, How to Knit a Flexible Mind and More, the mm -hmm. researcher Betson Corkill says that when she first started all of her research studies, she had to get people to buy in. So she called knitting bilateral, rhythmic, psychosocial intervention. Oh. <laughs> oh my, I love that. I and, love that. And then she had the scientific community just sitting up and taking notice. <laughs> and finally they said, could you put it in layman's terms? Oh. And she said, it's knitting. Oh my goodness. And they, beautiful. they found that those the movements required a lot of integration of your brain to fine tune the movements to enable your hands to work together, right? And it was a cross body, which has even more benefit for the brain. And, uh, you know, it created lots of lots of cascading beneficial effects beyond there. So like, even if all you do is learn how to knit and purl or just learn how to knit and just keep going and create knitting on both sides, which they call the garter stitch. It doesn't really matter. You're going to benefit from it. So back to our original thing, I have multiple projects going on mm -hmm. at, at times so that I, I can pick up what's most convenient for me. If I'm conversing with somebody or I'm watching a, a show on television or I'm out in public and there's going to be extra distractions, I do something um, that's a little more basic. And then when I really want to dive in, I can mm -hmm. do a more complex pattern. Hello, Zestful Agers. First, I want to thank you so much for your enthusiasm and interest in the podcast. Words cannot really describe how fun it is to make this for you. We are now in the tens of thousands of downloads and Zestful Aging is still very young. We've heard from inspiring women from all over the world, and I hope it has made your life richer and helped you be more zestful as you navigate aging. In addition to being fun, making a weekly podcast is a surprising amount of work. So I want to encourage you to become a patron today. It's the way I can continue bringing you in-depth, thought-provoking interviews without sponsorship, aka commercials. And I've added a special free gift just for being a listener to the podcast. It's called my best ever self-care manual. And again, it's based on research and my 25 years experience as a psychotherapist. So hop on over to patreon.com slash zestful aging and download the free manual. And while you're there, donate what you might pay for your cup of coffee today. It will make you feel good. I promise. Mm -hmm. So you know, one of the, uh, this is sort of an, a, another realm of it. And I think it, it's, it's about uh, us getting in touch with our humanity. Maybe that's oh. overstating it, but I love to make shawls. First of all, you don't need to worry about gauge. And I just think they're beautiful. And there's this historical element and you can do a lot of, and sock yarn is gorgeous. But of course, in the lace or in the pattern, there's always going to be some mistakes. And of course, nobody notices that because it's scrunched up on your shoulders, but I know it's there. And I wonder about this idea of how perfect does your knitting have to be? And is there a level 
of acceptance of this is a beautiful item and it's got some mistakes. What what are your thoughts about, you know, ripping out to make it perfect or leaving it? And how much do you leave in? Do, do you, do you um, sort of understand the general theme here that I'm trying to describe? Abs, absolutely. I am a, um, a recovering perfectionist. <clears throat> okay. And, you know, one thing that the big, huge umbrella uh, of yoga, not just the physical practice on the mat, not only just the practice of meditation, but uh, the character building strengths of yoga, they, they ask us to, to be compassionate with ourselves to recognize just like you were saying our humanness our humanity and that that life you know really isn't about being perfect it's about being it's about being engaged it's about being you know vibrant and vital it, you know it's really how we show up for things so when i'm when i'm knitting something and i realize that i have uh, I have missed, you know, miscalculated something. There's a, a little whoopsie somewhere in there. <laughs> you know, I'm really mindful. I might sit with it for a while and think, does this alter the look of the garment, or if it's gonna, if it needs to be fitted like a sweater um, or a hat, is that gonna change the fit? And then. Sometimes I do rip it out. Sometimes I, it's a glaring mistake on a nice mm -hmm. smooth piece of fabric. And I just, I just make the decision to go back and, um, and, and rip out till then, which always makes my husband gasp with horror. And he goes, how can you do that? And I say to him, you know, part of it is the, is really about just the process mm -hmm. and not so much about the end result. Mm -hmm. And then there are other times when I decide to leave it in because it's like a little signature. It's like that artist who hides their, their um, initials or their name somewhere in their painting. Uh, or there's this idea, and I'm sure your listeners will, some of them will know, I don't know off the top of my head what this is called, but you know, uh, a lot of times in, in uh, Japanese pottery making, they mm. will they will make sure that they leave an imperfection, or they will actually create an imperfection mm. in in their in their uh, pottery in the bowls in particular, um, mm. because it's part of that like that humanness, right? We're not perfection. It's not made on a on a machine that you can buy at Target. Exactly. So mm -hmm. there's there there it's the unique signature and and so I do both and I think both have incredible value like the persistence and the the skillfulness in the going back and the humanness and the uniqueness in the letting it be. Mhm. Mm mm. Yeah, I love that's I love that answer. It's very flexible. It's let me see, let me sit with this. Let me see with the imperfection and is it something that I want to go back and correct or is it something that I'm just going to have to tolerate and and even accept in a way that's just like this is what it is. It's knitting. It's not it's you know, humans are not a machine. I miscounted that's fine. It doesn't mean that I'm a, a a bad person. And just to sort of let it, just let it lay there. Yeah, that self acceptance. And mm -hmm. that can be, that can be of a, 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 uh, just a very embodied uh, example of, you know, how do we bring self acceptance to ourselves and everything we do? So I know that you have a knitting retreat coming up. Tell me what what it's like. You you obviously, you know, you have students coming in. I'm guessing they're of different some of them have never knit before. Is that is that true or do you have to have some experience? We we would love people to come with some experience. Again, if if all 
if all these students know how to do these guests know how to do is just uh, knit back and forth whether it's again not looking for for perfection or even for the total outcome during our time together it's really just about being in the process being in community uh, you know learning some uh, tools to help deepen meditation looking to to be inspired by each other uh, through our community connections. Mm -hmm. And so what, what, what does it look like? So people come and they have some basic skills or what are the kind of exercises you might go through with them? Great. So um, my program is called Knit, Pray, Love. Mm -hmm. And, and really, the, some of the things that we'll be doing are knitting as meditation. So looking at the different ways that, that knitting can help deepen a meditation practice. And, um, and also, again, like I said, being in community. So how does, how does knitting in community help us with our social emotional skills? Uh, how does it benefit us in a health way? So there'll be times when we'll actually have discussions about longevity and health. Um, there'll be times when we'll be talking and sharing about uh, the different things that we love about knitting. Like we started off with yarn and patterns, designers, colors, um, and hopefully inspire one another. And uh, we'll be doing, of course, knitting the entire time. So we'll build in uh, little knitting, uh, excuse me, movement breaks. So little mm -hmm. mini movement breaks to help keep the body healthy. Because I don't know about you, but I can sit and get so absorbed in knitting that three hours mm -hmm. moves by and I haven't done anything but move my arms and my wrists and my hands. Mm -hmm. um, so building in those little mini movement breaks. And I even have a little self-care uh, massage techniques with these great therapy balls. And I'll be teaching and leading everybody. They'll get a pair of therapy balls uh, with the program. I'll be leading little self-massage techniques that people can take home so that they can keep their hands and their arms and shoulders and neck that tend to tense up during knitting for many people. Mm -hmm. um, well, we can stay well oiled and relaxed, <laughs> relaxed while we're knitting. Mm -hmm. And I'm guessing that um, some people, I mean, I hate to admit it, but I have cried um, <laughs> during a particularly tough, uh, you know, having to pull out and um, it's, it can be frustrating. And I'm wondering if you have to address that sometimes people coming into your retreat and getting very down on themselves or frustrated because they're not, let's say, keeping up or they're not, you know, they've made mistakes and that kind of thing. Oh, yes, exactly. I mean, that's, just insert any any program or any class into that. I mean, people, I think that are in our um, culture and also our society today, we're just asked to, you know, perform at a certain level, <clears throat> not to stop and not to, you know, definitely not to back down and not to stop, but to keep achieving and accelerating. And it's led us to this, this idea of, you know, you will not be accepted anything short of perfection. And mm -hmm. I, I know that that is just an ongoing theme uh, that I work with with my guests and my clients. So the idea of self-acceptance, self-compassion, um, and really embodying it through the practice of knitting and the practice of knitting meditation. So just all sorts of all sorts of um, little life lessons and all sorts of different skills 
skills that we can bring in to, to help us with the self-acceptance and self-compassion. So inviting again in that sense of community, it's like, what do you struggle with? Where do you, where do you need help? Like, what is your biggest pitfall? What is your biggest obstacle? Um, and I think that that, that is some of the most valuable, um, that is some of the most valuable things we can find in a community that we become part of, whether it's a book club or a knitting club or a yoga class that we regularly attend is that, wow, you too, I'm struggling with that too. And then all of a sudden the sense that we're alone seems to, if it doesn't disappear, at, at least the, the chasm between seems a lot smaller. And like John Donne said, like, no man is an island. Mm -hmm. Humans were meant to live and community, to rely and depend on one another. And that's what I love about yoga um, and knitting, that it actually brings people of all ages and places mm -hmm. and stages and stations in life together in this really safe social environment where a commonality already exists and we get to come and share our you know our humanity we get to come and share our joys and our you know our achievements as well as you know our losses and our you know pitfalls all together and i just think uh, it's such an important thing in our day and age where uh, we, as a whole, and I'm including myself in that, we tend to be more isolated um, mm -hmm. than, than years ago. So, And they say that supportive social relationships are our single greatest asset as we age. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I have found also in uh, looking at the research. It's not even, I mean, we know food's important. We know movement is important, but you, the social part is number one. People are often surprised to hear that. There, um, there was a study done at Harvard. It was the, it's the biggest longitudinal study ever done. Um, it started in, 1939 and they followed a group of Harvard graduates and as a control group uh, another set of um, people coming from the communities around Boston uh, and they followed them for 80 years 80 years and they did all sort they they examined their lives from all angles including mm -hmm their marriages, their kids, their jobs, their, you know, the physical biomarkers, the physiological biomarkers, everything. And it said, uh, Robert Waldinger, the director of the study, the current director of the study, um, said, taking care of your body is important, but tending to your relationships is a form of self-care too. Um, and they found that creating good social relationships is as powerful, if not more powerful, than, than um, eliminating smoking or alcoholism, mm -hmm. right? That, mm -hmm. that it actually, that, our, that our, our relationships are some of the most important things in our life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm familiar with that study. I have an online course called Zestful Aging, and I use that study um, as the as the framework for a lot of uh, the modules. And it's exactly that. And it's um, it's surprising in some ways, but if you understand, of course, that we're mammals, um, maybe not as surprising. You know, I'm I'm thinking about what you've said about knitting so eloquently and. It, it seems like there's so many parts of it. And you were talking a moment ago about it being really a vehicle for self-awareness and community. I mean, you could be making, you know, uh, 
toothpick uh, art. Uh, right. You're, you're talking about not only does it have its own quality and personality and characteristics that make it really lovely for our brain, but it's also just a common experience that we can all bond around. Is that is that accurate? That is right spot on the money. Spot okay. on the money. Yeah. Okay. And what I love too about knitting is, you know, again for that self care, the self compassion, like it really can help manage the ups and downs in life and as well as, you know, so just on its own and then in the framework of, you know, being together with a, a knitting group, right? Being together, making connections in those on the bus. Hey, what are you knitting? Or that's mm -hmm. a that's a beautiful color mm -hmm. yarn type of a thing. Uh, mm -hmm. You never know where that that social connection will come from, and deepening our need for connection and meaning in our life, you know, is is really important for our health and longevity. I was just thinking of sort of a, a a funny aspect of this, which is that's why I reached out to you when I saw your retreat in the Kripalu catalog because I'm a knitter and I I I think it's such a beautiful craft and I thought it would be lovely to have somebody who really does it in a more um, sort of official capacity yeah. uh, talk about it. So it also brought me to connect with you, ultimately. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had a funny thought, and this might get a little um, out there for, for some listeners, but I'll, I'll say it anyway. Uh, many years ago, I was at Kripalu, and I came to see Tara Brock, which mm. many people do, and I was knitting, and it occurred to me that her wisdom and her just, you know, who she is and her loveliness and her message and her energy. As I was listening, it, feel, it felt like it was being sort of imbued in my project that as I was knitting that experience of being there at Kripalu in the Berkshires among my peers in this beautiful safe space listening to this woman, it felt like, you know, th that quality was being knitted into the work. Mm. I don't know. Does that make sense? Oh, does it ever? Does <laughs> it ever? Number one, you had me at Tara Brock because I'm, oh, okay. I'm a huge fan of hers. Yeah. Um, but what you're saying about like, literally, weaving in the, again, sorry for the pun, yeah. weaving in or imbuing, as you so eloquently put it, um, that the sense that the, the messages, the, just the whole vibe mm -hmm. into whatever you were knitting is a powerful practice in, in meditation practice. They have uh, a couple different practices. I'm going to combine the two together to explain them. It's called Japa Mantra. Mm. And it's often done with a set of mala beads. So Japa means to whisper or to mutter. And Mantra can be defined as a mind tool or a mind instrument. So it's this idea that we use a phrase or we use a word or we use a sound as a way to train our minds to pay attention and we mutter it or whisper it silently over and over and over and over again to ourselves. And then many yogis will, meditating yogis will combine it with uh, mala beads and mala beads are a set of of beads. There's typically a hundred and eight on uh, a on a necklace. And for those of you who 
are thinking that's just like a rosary, right? It, mm. It's very much many different um, spiritual traditions, many different religions throughout the ages and, you know, to span all sorts of different uh, times, they all have things similar to this, right? And and we repeat, the meditator repeats the phrase over and over again. And they get to choose the phrase that has a lot of meaning to them. And the idea is that in the repetition, it literally begins to, to sink into us. We absorb it into every cell of our body. For example, Gandhi, and I assume that most people mm -hmm. know who Gandhi is. Mm -hmm. um, Gandhi's mantra was Ram. And Ram translates... Uh, from Sanskrit, the language it's written into English as the word God. And it was so ingrained in him, it has been said that the moment he was shot, instead of crying out for help or why me or, you know, words of, you know, parting to his family, he just started to chant Ram, Ram, mm -hmm. Ram. Like it was just so ingrained in him. Mm -hmm. And I look at my knitting as those mala beads, like I'm touching it and I'm with every stitch, I, I get a chance to repeat my mantra. Um, and the mantra could be something simple as love or kindness. Mm -hmm. And if I'm knitting something, a project for a specific person, um, I might do what the yogis call metta meditation, which is loving kindness or well-wishing meditation, where I actually mm -hmm. tuck in to each stitch little wishes for them, like, mm -hmm. may you be safe, may you be happy, may you be free, may you be at peace. And I knit them into every stitch of the garment mm -hmm. so that when this garment or this trinket or toy or you know blanket whatever it is goes to them it has this the vibration of those wishes into it mm -hmm. and you know i think too about self-soothing and if you're making yourself a shawl or a blanket or a cowl or whatever you're knitting it, it, it's like a it's like a hug it's like a loving gesture for you're you know that you're making for yourself here wrap yourself in this this loving essence yes yes <laughs> yes it's like we can imbibe our own garments our own whatever with those things too mm -hmm. and then we get to be swaddled in them they get to mm -hmm. they just get to call to us and in those days when it feels like the world has just come down around our ears or you know we need that recharge and reboot we can just we literally can wrap ourselves in a virtual and literal hug with our garment and these loving kind wishes that we can um you know, knit into every stitch. Mm -hmm. Wow, Michelle, I feel like um, it's just been so delightful talking to you about this. I don't think, you know, uh, everybody takes it to this level. <laughs> you know, certainly there's like, you know, what's washable, what's not, what's on sale, what's not, what color, whatever. And it's fun and it feels good and all the things that we talked about in terms of the brain activity. But there's so many aspects of making this. It's such an enriching experience. I look for every opportunity I can to live my yoga. So I, mm -hmm. I love practicing yoga on the meditation cushion. I love practicing it on the mat, but I'm way more interested in living my yoga. So I, live, I look for every aspect of life that I live to become a practice so that I this practice is portable i can take it with me everywhere i go and knitting happens to be one of the 
uh, most joyful ways mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm always, there's a basket of knitting in pretty much every room of my house that I can just <laughs> pack up, you know, pick up and, and knit at any given time that, that it just is so obvious and supportive to me to use this, mm-hmm. to combine these practices together to live a little bit more of a wholehearted life for myself. Tell, uh, would you tell our listeners a little bit more about how to find you and find your knitting retreats and even other yoga retreats that you offer? Awesome. Yes, I would be happy mm-hmm. to. Thank you. So um, my, I have a website. It's mm-hmm. M, like, mm-hmm. the, like the letter of my first name, Michelle, Yoga. Mm-hmm. Dot com, mm-hmm. and um, you can find all of the daily classes that I'm teaching at Kripalu because that's where I teach all of my yoga classes, mm-hmm. all of the workshops that I'm teaching or programs at Kripalu Center, um, and then the times that I actually leave the the, the hill, so to speak, because Kripalu mm-hmm. sits up on a little hill. Um, I leave the hill and go out into the community to teach uh, workshops during the year and, or teacher trainings. Um, you can find all of that information there, including my knit, pray, love workshop, Mm. which will be at, at Kripalu center, November 23rd through the 25th, um, of this year. Okay. And is there a, do you have a limit on, uh, how many people can be in the class? I I think that we're going to wait and see how, you know, how many people are signing up. Mm-hmm. De- the uh, program rooms at Kripalu can definitely host a lot of people. And I have many, many, many people um, already lining up my mm-hmm. friends to be assistants. So it won't just, I'll be leading the retreat. Um, it's my retreat, but I will also have incredibly um, skilled and gifted uh, assistants uh, helping me create this uh, incredibly nurturing experience um, at at uh, at Kripalu during this retreat. So, mm-hmm. de- uh, designers and knitwear designers and knitting teachers who have charity organizations and everything oh, else. So gosh. I'm I'm excited. I have just a little side note. Uh, I'm going to be interviewing a woman who has a, it's a charity called Knitted Knockers. Oh, Do you know about I this? I do. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and for the listeners who haven't figured that out yet, it's it's a knitted prosthetic for people who had, had a mastectomy. And um, they're, it's much softer and it's much more lovely than uh, the other prosthetics that are out there. And uh, so it can be very practical as well as beautiful. Yes. And why not have both, right? That's right. Michelle, it has been my absolute pleasure to talk to you today. It, it's just, I, I feel like uh, you've shared so many important aspects of this and really just your heart with us. Well, thank you. It has been such a joy and a pleasure and a privilege to talk about what I love so much for you and for your listeners. And I hope that everybody um, got a little bit of inspiration, maybe even learned a little something new and, and that you uh, go look for your first pair of needles out there. Mm-hmm. And make sure they're not plastic. Yeah. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. I love to hear from my listeners, so send me an email at NicoleChristina.com and tell me what you'd like to hear more about. I would also greatly appreciate if you could hop on iTunes and rate the show. Ratings help other people find the podcast so I can share all these good, juicy interviews with others. I would also invite you to become a patron of the Zestful Aging Podcast. 
hop on over to patreon.com forward slash zestful aging and consider making a small donation. You will be eligible for insider only goodies and behind the scenes information. And it'll help you feel good knowing that you're contributing to the Zestful Aging podcast. I'll look forward to sharing more juicy interviews next week on Zestful Aging.